This is Fusion Music Radio's Birds of a Feather, and I'm Professor P. Soup. And what, pray tell, is Birds of a Feather? Well, we are an indie music focused show, rife, not ripe, rife, with witty, fuck-laden, insanely interesting, and unhinged banter. Hopefully we're delivering on that. Fascinating, fun features and thematic song submissions will confuse, infuse, and delight you. And would I undertake such a momentous endeavor by myself? Heavens no. You know what a coward I am. I gotta hide behind Audrey and Lewis. And here, who is the host of the show or my co-host on the show? This is Christina Baldwin, and I'm the vocalist for the Southern California band Ascent. And if I might, a little personal thing uh, we might as well share with the listeners, our devoted and ever-growing legion of listeners, this is a sort of an anniversary for us. It was seven months ago to the day that uh, we met at a show, just for a minute or two, and there was, you know, she was nice, the music was good, and um, I was going to play him on the show and maybe interview him and all that, but little did I know she'd become my bestie, my BFF, and I certainly never expected that she would browbeat and puppy dog eye me into doing the show with her. <laughs> oh, I mean, that... Is I that what I did? <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember it that way, at least. I mean, you know, it's possible I could be wrong. But, and I, the listeners might as well know this too. Well, we decided to do a show, and she let go of my arm, and uh, we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, okay, what are we going to call it? And I suggested something really stupid, and she came up with a great name. She said, okay, how about Birds of a Feather? And you know I must be getting senile, because the first thing that popped into my head was not, yeah, that's great, Birds of a Feather. So what are we going to do? besides shake eggs. I mean, that, that should have been right there. That you should know? have I mean, been it's there. So, it's so obvious. Everything else, you know, we'll hammer out the details, but the egg shaking. But now, see, I happen to have the one on hand, and so did she, as you know. But I have others, and I dug them out. There are many types of shakers, you know, like this one. This cylindrical deal, which changes Ooh. depending on how much finger you give it. I use that, I think, on The Natives of Restless. There's this slightly bassier egg. Oh, very really nice. Not, it's not terribly inspiring, but... Hey, uh, you know, you just can't beat your classic treble egg. But, I mean, that is the one. You bring that to church. You bring that everywhere. I mean, I played, uh, I was a church musician. I played uh, for many, many years. And ladies always be bringing these things and tambourines. And it's like, yeah. And here we are on our sixth episode. Woohoo! Or should I say, woohoo! In <laughs> fact, I thought when we do History Strikes Back later on, I thought instead of naming some of the notable hit singles and things from that year, which we will disclose later on, that rather we would sing a little snatch of it. A lot of songs you know, but you don't know by name. I buy these greatest hits records and it's like, okay, don't know that one, don't know that one. Oh shit, it's that one. I love that one. I've loved that one my whole life. So you're going to hear songs uh, sort of uh, represented vocally by a real singer and me. And that will just bring you back if you were around or if you heard the songs later, it will give you more of a visceral thrill because we're all about cheap thrills here. We are. And uh, cheap cheap laughs and uh, knucklehead behavior and everything. I mean, there's a format, but this is kind of loose. This is two buds hanging out. This is basically the Wayne's world of indie radio. (laughs) The subject we'll be discussing is is that's two is's in a row on purpose <laughs> yes is is that's three but that one doesn't count <laughs> the second one counts the third one doesn't they need now, to know that say it, all of the laughter is genuine they need to know all of this is genuine yeah we don't have a laugh track here. there's no laugh track no because that's why you, every radio show should have at least one easily amused host and we've definitely got one here so uh, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> to find me as funny as you do, you must have a low threshold. And I'm, I'm thankful for it. Don't get me wrong. 
Oh, my God. And the hits just keep coming. They start at the beginning of the show, and then at the end, they actually don't end there. I usually get more after the show. So just so you know, they just keep coming. It keeps lobbing that shit at me. That's cool. That's fine. <laughs> your friend, your friend who you hadn't seen in a while, listened to the show, and what did he say? <laughs> He's like, he gives you shit the whole time. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what, show was, what show was this guy listening to? I didn't hear that. <laughs> and I said, well, that's kind of our thing. I said, he gives me shit. I tell him to fuck off, and then we keep going. Okay, We're- I admit, he, he's... That was astute. That was uh, that was quite a, quite, a keen, quite a keen observation on his part. Okay. Now back to the subject, if we could, is hey, I said is without having to say an is before it. I didn't and want to the say third one, and it just it just snowballs like it Jerry does. Lewis, the song that never ends. You know that one? Yes. No, it does, doesn't end. It's often reported wrongly as never ends. It doesn't. Doesn't. This is the song that doesn't, doesn't end. end. Back to the subject at hand. Is remastering and reissuing a good idea? Well, financially, I suppose it is. What about the original recordings? And now you would expect an old Christian like me would be like, rah, rah, these newfangled things, rah, you know, and not wanting to hear anything new or not wanting to hear uh, the alteration of the original uh, programs and packaging. I'm not really that much against it, though. It's just irritating when you buy a reissue and a remaster, like the Beatles do every three freaking years. Um, hey, this is the, oh, this is way better than the 2019 remasters, but not quite as good as the 2013 remasters. Well, fuck, you bought this one. Uh, I they do this with the Beatles every other year, and I, you know, I don't think anything sounds that much better to be worth it. However, the bonus tracks, a lot of them are just cutting room floor dreck that's passed off as excuses for some sort of extra value for rebuying a record you already had. But um, it reminds me of what Weird Al Yankovic said in. The, in introducing the deleted scenes on the DVD of his wonderful film, UHF, which uh, co-stars the goddess Fran, actually. She's in that. Um, and <laughs> he said they were deleted for a reason, because they suck. Well, that's that's what a lot of what the uh, bonus things on uh, reissues are. However, I love some of them, and here are some of the ones that were issued in 2020. So far this year, and may I remind you, it's only spring. Blue Eyes are cult. Hell yeah. Hard Rock Live Cleveland, 2014. John Fogarty's 50-year trip. Cream, Goodbye Tour Live, 1968. I would like to see the, the Cream reunion. I think it was 2005 at the Royal Albert Hall. Freaking mm-hmm. amazing. I was flipping through PBS one night, and I was like, hey, look at these guys. They look like Cream. It's fucking Cream. What are they doing playing together? And I didn't know they had done that, and it was just brilliant. Although the heresy, everybody was up in arms when Eric Clapton played the solos from my all-time favorite song, as you know, White Room, without the Wawa. Oh, cry me a river. I mean, a river. It is unusual, but it was still beautiful, beautiful thing to see. No, I, I don't know why he did that, but hell yeah. About the only guitarist you'll ever see play one guitar through an entire concert. He plays that Blackie Stratocaster, and he never lets it go. Anyway, anyway, enough with Cream. Um, that would be a good one to have. Deep Purple, Live in Rome, 2013, remastered. Ah, here's somebody we love. Bad Company, mm. Desolation Angels, 40th anniversary. Yeah, love Bad Co., Dio, the studio album collection. We might be talking about Bad Company and Dio a little later on, or maybe not. I could just have pulled that out of the air. No, we will. Allman Brothers, Brothers Band, Trouble No More, 50th anniversary collection. I actually won tickets to see the Allman Brothers once. They were great. Uh, ZZ Top DVD. Def Leppard. These are some DVDs and these are some uh, recordings. Uh, Def Leppard, the early years, 79 through 81. 
I don't know what you get the bonus-wise there, but there's always something, some excuse to buy it again. Bob Dylan, Japanese singles collection, and Cat Stevens, personal favorite, Back to Earth, Super Deluxe Box. There's so many things going on out there. You know, I'm mostly okay with it, but sometimes the bonuses aren't worth it, but it's okay. I mean, if you want that, great. There are a couple of them I would buy and have bought, but one thing, remasters are one thing. I'm not a particular fan of remixes where they take like a whole lot of love and turn it into some club hit or some shit like that. I'm not really into that. You're listening to the song and all of a sudden there's this jarring change. I suppose I could get used to it, but that's where the curmudgeon comes in. It's like, I don't want to hear a song and have you just stand it on its head and try to turn it into um, some kind of dubstep thing. I could really do without that. But uh, what do you think? <laughs> um, well, as far as remastering and reissuing, I think it's a good idea. I do get a little pissed off though. Uh, to your point where it's like every three years, I'm like, are we seriously going to have to buy the Beatles catalog again? Are we seriously going to want to buy Led Zeppelin again? I mean, it's just, it's seemingly endless. You know, you could always get something repackaged, reissued, remastered. Now, I will say, though, I remember when I first started bitching about this, which was way back in the day, poor Bruce, I was like, are you seriously going to buy that fucking album again? And then he's like, well, just listen to the difference. Now, I'd listen to the original album, I don't even know how many times, and then I listened to the new one, and you could hear the differences. It brings out all of the of the textures. It brings out all of the tones that you don't hear in some of the old recordings. So then there is a whole school of thought saying, well, isn't that the way it was intended? No, they just didn't have fucking technology that could make it sound this good. So no, it wasn't really intended to sound as shitty as it did or as basic as it did or as flat as it did. Now we have the technology where we can really bring out the brightness and bring out all those textures that are so important and critical to the song. So I really hear a difference. I just think that, you know, they're at some point they're taking advantage, but if there are suckers out there who will buy it, they're going to keep issuing it. But I will say every time there has been a remastering that I have heard, it is always significantly better than the last one. So I understand that, but it is a whole huge amount of money go, going toward the same fucking music over and over and over and over again. So it just feels a little abusive. Like, I think, here's my thought. Stay with me, David. Mm-hmm. I think... Where? <laughs> exactly. You already... We, we have on file that you already own this shit. So as a result, we have made it better. Thank you for buying the original. This one will be given to you for $5. Anybody else, though, they're going to have to pay $50 for this new thing. But you, because you were smart and bought it back in the day, 5 bucks for you. That's how I think it should work. <laughs> Otherwise, it just feels like they are stealing money because we already bought it and some of these repeatedly i mean i think there are some that we've bought three or four times over just because they are they keep coming out with new ones the good news is we are people who like to recycle right in general so what we do usually is we give somebody else those cds that we had previously and we say hey we'd like you to uh listen to king crimson so here are all the albums because now we have bought all the albums or here are the two albums we bought that were new and now that person can listen to the original recording and then they can be suckered into buying the new (laughs) remasters later after they fall in love with the music so it works out that way but you know i i think it's a great idea i just think sometimes they take advantage and us poor suckers we are always going to take the bait so i think it's a great idea i just get tired of all the money oh by the way a little tangent but that's what we do Hmm. uh here uh king crimson i was so impressed we were watching folks um uh, Christina, we're watching a, a live stream of dark beauty it's not the whole band it was just liz and brian and they were doing all kinds of all these 
obscure prog tunes that I <laughs> did not know that Christina knew. It was like, damn, you know that? It's like, wow, you know, I was so impressed. I mean, you are like Lady Prog, I gotta say. So I really am. Funny. I <laughs> really <laughs> am. <laughs> when you say Prague to the dictation note, it spells like Prague. It does. Czechoslovakia. <laughs> I've noticed that. I'm like Prague rock, and it's like Prague, Prague rock. rock. I'm it's like, European, no. European trance stuff. Prague rock. You know. <laughs> yeah. hey, speaking of Europe, we're going to have a great composer from Europe later on tonight. If we ever get there, yes. Oh, you know what? I was reading uh, reviews of a Beatles reissue. I forget which one of the 300 ones it was. And somebody said that a lot of people actually were saying they preferred the mono reissue. Mono is monaural uh, recording, not mononucleosis, the kissing disease, in case any of you are confused. But, uh, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> yeah, just in case. Uh, mono, they said the mono is perfect. It sounds exactly the way they wanted it to sound. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I'm, not, I'm all for enhancing audio technology, but don't go colorizing any damn black and white movies. They were conceived in black and white because that's what they were going for. They chose the colors with that in mind. I don't like colorized crap, but... I will say that uh, remastered uh, old music sounds great. So, uh, yeah, I'm for it, too. All right, and you continue on and introduce... What are you introducing? That <laughs> uh, takes us to song 10, and the band is Good Luck Ugly. <laughs> Every oh. time I say it, it makes me laugh. Good Luck Ugly. And the song name is In Love. They are from here. They're from Orange County, California, and they are rock punk, pop punk, and ska. So that's quite the combination. And you can find them at goodluckugly.com. This is a very sweet song from this pop punk band. The glockenspiel adds a very whimsical vibe to this upbeat, sentimental love anthem. The band is certainly known for their breakup songs, but this one is a little lighter. This, in fact, is punk your mom would like. Here's In Love.
All right, and that brings us to our first feature. Now, you might think that that protracted whatever it was in the beginning was a feature. Oh, no, 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 no. That was just uh, saying hello. Okay, now we have an actual feature called One-Hit Warblers. Oh, yes. For this feature, we discuss a one-hit wonder that rocked either our world or the music world. And the song is one familiar to every living soul who's ever been near a radio in their entire life. All right now by the band Free. Free was a band that started in the mid-1960s. Notable members, man who's still with us, Paul Rogers on vocals. And, in this case, Simon Kirk on drums, who would later be the drummer for Bad Company. So basically we had half of Bad Company here in Free with this one notable hit. And the song is so imprinted upon our skulls all our lives that it's been covered by Rod Stewart, Mike Oldfield. The Runaways used it as an early audition. I just heard it today, and it was pre-Cherie Curry. So it was probably Mickey Steele of the Bangles later and Sandy West and Joan Jett. Very uh, interesting, but very uh, dirty sounding and raw and uh, poorly recorded. And Christina Aguilera, Extina, mm-hmm. uh, the other Extina besides you, um, <laughs> is uh, did it too. And she can really sing rock. Boy, have you ever seen her with the Rolling Stones doing Live With Me? Uh, Badass. Oh I mean, God. that's really something. Yeah. It reminds me uh, of Lady Gaga singing with Metallica. That was so badass too. So absolutely. She, she also it. sang with the Stones too. But yeah, the Metallica thing was i like the version with her a lot better than the studio one i mean it was brilliant and she's great good lord she's oh. good she can see rock better than anybody she can uh, it was fantastic so free vocalist paul rogers would go on to appear in many bands that we know he's mr have mike will travel every two or three years he shows up in another band but he's always great though from free came a band you definitely all know and one hit wonder this is a band with no shortage of hits bad company Uh, From 1969 all the way up to 2020, the present year. However, various incarnations. In the meantime, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers, did I just say that? You did. (laughs) Mr. Rogers (laughs) appeared (laughs) in bands with two of my absolute goats, two of my greatest guitarists ever, my top three, Jimmy Page and The Firm, starting in 1985. They had some success. A little-known band that lasted only a year called The Law, and then a stint on vocals with Queen. And Paul Rogers is great, but I don't think Queen is any place for his voice. Do you like Paul Rogers, Christina? Are you that discriminating that you uh, enjoy the music of Mr. Paul Rogers and his voice? Actually, he is probably my favorite vocalist, um, rock vocalist. I absolutely love his voice. It's like sunshine through honey. It's just, it melts me. It's so beautiful. I love everything he does. In fact, three years ago, Bruce and I went to the the ultimate triple header. It was Paul Rogers, Ann Wilson, and Jeff Beck. All one no, night. Absolutely. You've got to be kidding me. It was the most amazing night ever. It started with Ann Wilson, who just still kills it on vocals. And we were right down in front. So she's right there. I'm just like, holy crap. And then Paul Rogers. And I was worried. You know, as people get older, you never know. But this man, stupid, horrible bitch, I hate you. I'd be like, yes, please keep singing. Because it's beautiful. Um, and then, of course, Jeff Beck just knocked it out of the park and ended the entire thing. And we were just floored. We could not believe that we had this trifecta. It was crazy. But Paul Rogers is my favorite rock vocalist for, you know, obviously next to Freddie Mercury, who's no longer with us. So I have to just say, you know, if Freddie was still with us, he'd still be number one, but he's still number one in my heart. But Paul Rogers is still with us. So he is my current reigning favorite rock vocal male. But Freeze vocalist, however, as we've seen, you can't keep a good man down. And 
Paul Rogers is a very good, well, singer anyway. He might be a douchebag, but he's a very good singer. And I'm not saying that I know he's a douchebag because I don't. I'm just saying even if he were, he would still be a great singer, right? He'd be a great singing douchebag, so. <laughs> but there are douchebags that we listen to, right? I mean, aren't For there? For sure. All right, so moving on from the first feature, we're coming to Song 9, which thankfully is yours, Christina. <laughs> Love the name of the band. Tell us all about this uh, exciting ensemble here. All right, so song number nine is by a band called Black Widow Chick, and actually it's it's her, and then she's um, amply backed by a, currently, I believe, her boyfriend, and then um, another gentleman or two. I think she's auditioning drummers right now. Um, and uh, the song's name is City of Broken Dreams, and she is in Los Angeles right now. And the genre, you'll find that this week there are a lot of bands who have created their own genre, much like... GFM, um, and this is yeah beauty beauty core wasn't it? <laughs> it was core? beauty core yes, yeah. and this one is sad girl music, and uh, she, you can find her on Instagram at black widow chick underscore band underscore official. And now I met Black Widow Chick a couple of years ago when we played an acoustic show of hers in LA. She's the sweetest, dearest person. She has such a beautiful sweetheart. And she is all about promoting other musicians in the music scene, and she is very active in the music scene, and she has this really beautiful voice. She writes emotional, honest, and raw songs, and her lyrics are striking, and her vocal delivery is also just beautiful. She hands over a piece of her heart with every single note she sings. And this is no different. And actually, I have a little interesting thing to tell you. When she found out that we were doing this, and I, I, I said, hey, if you have anything, send it. She actually recorded this during the quarantine in her bathroom to send into the show. So, <laughs> yeah. So she, um, she was very excited. She really wanted it to come in. Uh, she really wanted to submit it to us. So she did it, and she told me I have a whole video where she's like, hey, it's me, and we're recording this. We've set it up in the bathroom, and we're going to do this because they're just, they, they don't have a studio in-house, so they were making it up, and we have the song. So here is City of Broken Dreams.
So that was City of Broken Dreams. Now, song number eight by Tony Furtado. The song is Can't Lie Down. Tony is from Portland, Oregon. Oh, hey, shout out to some of our peeps in Portland, Oregon. We, we got peeps in Portland. That's right. Portland peeps. Hey, hey. What's up? Um, the genre is Americana Roots Music. And you can find him at Tony Furtado. That's T-O-N-Y-F-U-R-T-A-D-O dot com. Where do I start? The banjo, the fiddle, the vocal harmonies, and the driving rhythms are a good start. This upbeat, uplifting, and urgent song is the perfect balance of roots and rock. All of this is executed with skill, heart, and sincerity. You'll hear all of that when you listen to Can't Lie Down. Let go. Now you're waiting to hear the things they wanted you to know. Put your head up from the dirt, put no solace in the ground. Hold your tongue while the devil's hanging round. Ain't no place to lie down. Ain't no place to lie down. Ain't no place to lie down. Until the devil's in the ground. You got to move your feet while your world is still and spin Hold your eyes to the sky, find your way back home again The road goes rolling on, can't escape the pressure bound You might buy a little time while the devil's hanging round There ain't no place to lie down There ain't no place to lie down There ain't no place to lie down Till the devil's in the What you found 
You can't cheat the dealer while the devil's hanging round. I'm going to okay. go ahead and uh, lob the ball back over to you for Concerts to Crow About. Yes, Concerts to Crow About. Well, we just heard about a truly astounding one that, Christina, there's this supposition. Uh, here's the old guy. He must have uh, all these memories. He doesn't have anything else going for him, but he does have memories, and they'll soon be fading because his mind is going, obviously. <laughs> oh, <But yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. However, I've, even, even the youthful Christina here has an incredible story right there. Oh, my goodness. Ann Wilson and Paul Rogers. I mean, Paul And Lee. Jeff Beck. Come on. And Jeff Beck. I mean, come on now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let me see. But however, uh, you know, there's one thing that you really got to be a little older to have any recollection of, and that was the concert I'm going to crow about in a minute. However, back in the 1960s, a legendary British band blazed new trails in pop, in rock, in blues, in psychedelia, and also showcased the talents of some of the world's most iconic guitarists, Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, and last man standing with the six-string, Jimmy Page, who inherited the name of the Yardbirds. While recruiting a couple of relatively unknown musicians, Robert Plant on vocals and harmonica and John Bonham on drums, and producer multi-instrumentalist John Paul Jones, who actively sought the gig and appealed to Page to let him in this new project, the new Yardbirds was formed. Before long, they would abandon that name for another one, which still sends a shiver down the spine of untold millions of rock music fans the world over, Led Zeppelin. And this band uh, immediately shot to the top with their first album and remained at the top of the heap until they disbanded following the death of drummer John Bonham. Uh, but they've reunited a few times in the meantime. But before that, on what was to become, little did they know, tragically, their last United States tour in 1977, I was there. Now, you've heard me say I was there ad nauseum, I know, on the show. However, but I was there. And in fact, I'm in a book called The Day I Was There. There's uh, an editor named Richard Houghton who compiles um, firsthand accounts of people attending concerts by truly legendary like Jimi Hendrix. And he's just working on one about Black Sabbath, which I should have gotten in on. But I did get my uh, essay and picture in the book, The Day I Was There, Led Zeppelin by Richard Houghton. I haven't actually seen the book yet, but uh, one of these days I'll have to pick it up. Anyway, it was in my vast experience in concert going just the top of the top of the top. This tour, sadly, is the one which the band did not chronicle, so we can't just look up a DVD of this. There's a little bit of 8mm bootleg footage that the band has gotten their hands on and put on their official website. In fact, on the website, you can look up set lists, and you can even see photographs from each night. You can actually look at pictures of the night you were there. So uh, that's how far they've gone in helping you relive, helping us uh, people with, uh, you know, kind of at the uh, sunset of our lives, uh, relive some of our past glories, if you will. And um, the, but when I, 
but this was a concert unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, no opening act, over three hours, and but this was a concert unlike anything I've ever seen before or since. It was just about all my 16-year-old brain could handle, having intimate knowledge of all the band's music, to be there and wonder, what are they going to play? What are they going to do that's different? Because they always do stuff different. It was just, so there I was in Madison Square Garden. The lights went down. People went ballistic. And the first chord of my number two song, I already talked about Cream White Room. What's sort of tied for 1B, the second favorite song of mine of all time, was the one they opened this concert with. The song remains the same. An absolute roller coaster ride, tour de force, which, oddly enough, was originally intended to be an instrumental. I can't picture... I had a dream not being there. I mean, but it wasn't. It was an instrumental, but it worked out absolutely perfectly. And I was just marveling at Jimmy Page's incredible silk white dragon suit, whatever it was, as this skinny little man threw himself to the floor, allowing the double-necked Gibson SG that he was playing to drag him on his knees. He was an absolute dynamo. He was as the greatest composer, performer, guitarist of all time. He is the complete package and this was I think the best they've ever been or close to it. The incredible talents of John Paul Jones were on full display and being fully uh, implemented not only in his keyboard playing and bass playing but a piano solo which began classically morphed into a sort of a Jerry Lee Lewis retro rock and roll groove that the entire band joined in on and before settling back into the moody ominous strains of the finale of no quarter which went on for like a half an hour this was just a concert that was not to be believed dazed and confused was notably missing but jamie page's guitar solo found him surrounded by a green laser pyramid that rotated in an absolutely trippy way every time he would strike his les paul with a violin bow an amazing show there were so many surprises during the acoustic set john paul jones played an amazing triple necked guitar of six string 12 string and mandolin which he played also while singing the sandy denny part of the battle of evermore never seen anything like this and i don't expect i ever will because this was a concert for the ages and it was just a high water mark of my life as a music fan and as a fan of the arts. There are people out there who think Led Zeppelin is overrated, but I definitely am not one of them. Christina, what do you think? You weren't there, of course, but... (laughs) I wasn't there, but you know, it's interesting that you were talking about how your particular show that particular night, and I'm not sure if it was the entire tour, it sounds like, was not chronicled. And there is something to be said about that. Now, I was just thinking about it when you were talking about it and kind of recounting how amazing this evening was it's it's absolute magic and the really great thing about the fact that it isn't chronicled anywhere is it's yours to share with people it's not it's not something people can just oh yeah i saw that on video it is yours to say i was there here's what it was like no one will ever see it the way you saw it no one will ever take it in no one you know will ever have the opportunity to to see it better than you did, you know, where you're, you know, you get that front row view and you were, you know, back a few rows. This is uniquely yours. And there's something really beautiful about that because I think that's what concerts were supposed to be about, right? Before we got all these recording devices and now everyone holds up their phone throughout an entire concert, which we'll have a whole discussion about that in the future. But there is something about that that it is just any fan who was there during those tours and during those those concerts, it's yours. It's only yours. And the only way that we will get to enjoy it with you is if you share it. And there's something to be said about that. And so I think that's pretty amazing that this incredible band and this incredible night belongs to you unless you're willing to share it. So I don't know. There was something very um, 
kind of just magic about that whole thing. So it's yours, and thank you for sharing it with us, because otherwise we would not get to see it. And now we got to see it through your eyes. Well, the funny thing is, I was going to read my, or at least most of, probably trimming a little bit here and there, most of my essay that's in the book the day I was there, and I didn't. I decided I'd just kind of go by memory, and, and everybody in the audience is thinking, like, wow, you really blew it, didn't you? <laughs> but uh, uh, get the book. Hey, how about getting the book? Not that I get anything from it. Boy, what a gig, huh? Editor. It's like, hey, everybody, you write stuff, send it in to me, I'll publish it, and I'll get paid. Yay! I mean, you know, but... <laughs> I, I mean, you know that you know that going in, and I really do wish I'd gotten in on the Black Sabbath one because that was my first concert ever with Aerosmith as the support act, and that was in New York City, also at Madison Square Garden. Now that I should have written about, but he's already uh, the ship has sailed, as it were. He's already gotten uh, the book ready to go. So, but uh, anyway. Nothing, no skin off my nose, but uh, I'm glad to be in this one because it was uh, it's a special experience, and I have I'd like to read what the other people had to say and what happened for them. I left out the dark part about the uh, the injury to Jimmy Page, but that that's in the essay as well. So anyway, maybe you'll read it someday. I know I will. Now that brings us to song number seven, and now in addition to I was there. There's one other thing that you've heard ad nauseum on this show and Butterflies and Hurricanes is how I came across some act out at a live music venue where nobody's allowed to go right now where i went to see another and like ascent for example there's a good there's a good uh, case in <laughs> case in point <laughs> i did not go to see ascent i had never friggin' heard of ascent but you've heard that a million times but this is a new one this is a fresh twist on the story that this is one that christina and i discovered together out and it wasn't even really the live music scene it was kind of and it wasn't we were at a coffee shop but they play music there it was just it was just hippie heaven i mean coffee live music fire what more could you ask for well and uh, owls and, everywhere and owls everywhere. big beautiful painted owls murals everywhere it was just magnificent and along comes and of course uh, this young, talented lady would have been repelled by my grumpy personality, but Christina's sunny demeanor drew a Brie Page, and they got to talking, and we stuck around to see the performance. So uh, perhaps you could talk about Brie as well, even though I, I explained how we happened to cross her and everything, um, and we could talk about the song and her EP and all that, but anything you want to say about Brie, because you two were all like buds and bonding and stuff. <laughs> yeah, Brie Page is... Just a lovely, lovely person. And she actually, in addition to to doing music beautifully, she actually also is a music therapist. And she actually works with children and goes to hospitals and, and sings for them as part of musical therapy, which is an actual thing. And it's really incredible that she's using her talent to help other people. And so she has an entire other business that she runs on the side and does this, but then she also does the charitable work where she goes and sings to children. So, and she has one of those voices that just moves you. It's, uh, and her style, she has this stylized way of singing that is really, really unique and it really grabs you and it's really emotional. And of course, you know, aside from just her beautiful voice and she is just a lovely person. We just got to talking and, and she is positive and, and upbeat and very, very passionate about music. She was excited to hear that, that we both did music. So that was really nice. We got to talk about our music with each other. And since we met her, I've been listening to a lot of her different songs. And I came across this one, and there are so many to choose from, but this one, because it was the acoustic one, really, really moved me. And I think it's going to move you too, David, if you haven't already listened to it 400 times. So... 
I'm going to give it back to you because I could talk about Brie all night. I did, in fact, listen to it. And Brie, I was going to mention the musical therapy thing because how could music not be therapy? Oh, my goodness. It's like dogs, like therapy dogs. You think petting a dog will not make you feel better and and, uh, speed your body in recovery? Oh, my goodness, of course. So music therapy is totally legit as far as I'm concerned, Mm -hmm. whether it's accepted or not. I thought Brie's music was wonderful. Uh, Interestingly, on the records, there's a lot of, you know, keyboards and, and, you know, overdubs and everything. But this was just raw, live her playing her acoustic guitar. And uh, it was kind of Jewel, kind of Joni Mitchell, just beautiful stuff. And I thought she was wonderful. And she has an EP called Free the Bull. And and I did hear this one a a couple times. And as bad as I am at figuring out what songs are about, because I really don't care that much, I just want it to sound good. But this one does appear to be about an empty nest uh, situation. Uh, Kids have left the house and everything. It's really beautiful and poignant. And this one is called Tree House.
So that was Treehouse by Brie Page. And just uh, to share a little bit more about Brie, her music therapy private practice is Butterfly Beats Music Therapy and Holistic Healing, LLC. She is the CEO and founder. If you are in need of music therapy or know someone else who is, definitely look up Butterfly Beats Music Therapy and Holistic Healing. And you can follow Brie Page on Spotify or visit her website at briepagemusic.com. All right, so now for feature three, Cinema Calling. For this feature, we share how music enhances or detracts from movies. This time, the movie is Singles, and the year was 1992, and the setting was Seattle's grunge era. Now, so for me, when I'm thinking of this movie, I cannot go on without talking about Campbell Scott, Kira Sedgwick, Matt Dillon, Bridget Fonda, with cameos by Bill Pullman and Paul Giamatti. I mean, it's just everyone's in this cast. It's an amazing cast. It's an amazing movie. It is a tour guide to the grunge music scene that had sprouted and would peak in two years following the film's release. Many of the bands appearing in the movie were on the brink of stardom. Bands like Alice in Chains, Calm Down, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden. I mean, it was just some of the most amazing up and coming bands that were really, I mean, they were really in the scene, but they hadn't really hit it big everywhere yet. The director was Cameron Crowe. Now let's talk about this soundtrack. This soundtrack is otherworldly, and it is one that I, of course, own. We have Wood, Alice in Chains, Breath by Pearl Jam, Seasons, Chris Cornell, Dyslexic Heart by Paul Westerberg. I mean, come on. Battle of Evermore by the Love Mongers. Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns by Mother Love Bone. Mother Love Bone, motherfucking Love Bone. Birth Ritual by Soundgarden. I mean, who doesn't know and love that song? State of Love and Trust by Pearl Jam. Overblown by Mud Honey. Waiting for Somebody Up, another Paul Westerberg. Uh, May This Be Loved, Jimi Hendrix, Nearly Lost You by Screaming Trees. They are underrated. Love Screaming Trees. And Drowned by the Smashing Pumpkins. That soundtrack right there is the Seattle grunge era. And so this movie really kind of defined what would come. You know, it was flannels. It was, you know, a little teeny apartment complex where people sat around and talked and everyone dated each other and everyone was in everyone's business. And, you know, there was unrequited love and there was bands and chicks everywhere. And, you know, it was just this incredible movie. It's a rom-com for sure. But I'd say at the end of the day, it's it's pretty meaty. It tackles a lot of, you know, important relationship concepts. It does it in a funny way, but then it also does it in a way that is believable. Whereas some rom-coms I feel like really don't. But again, what we're really talking about here is how the soundtrack really catapults the movie to another level. And for me, it absolutely does that. Because without every one of these songs... I just don't know that it really would have had the same impact. Every single scene, you're hearing a different song that defines that era. And you just, 
when I think of these songs sometimes now, because I saw that in 1992, I see the scene in my head. That's how powerful the songs were and how powerful the scenes were. And of course, Campbell Scott is amazing. And Kira Sedgwick, I've just, there's just no better moment for her than this movie. So they really played the parts well. What are they like? I think probably mid to late 20s, I think, in this movie, trying to find themselves, trying to make it big, trying to make a name for themselves, trying to carve out a place in the world, all with this amazing soundtrack that makes perfect sense. And David, I know that you recently watched this movie, right? Yeah, you loaned me this movie, which I had never seen, and I watched it. And I got to say, I have serious trepidation going in. Oh, my goodness. Looking at the soundtrack, I thought, oh, God, this is going to be an absolute torture. But I will say, if you're like me and you really can't stand Alice in Chains and stuff like that, uh, and Pearl, well, first, Pearl Jam, I will say that the music is very fittingly used, as you said. Uh, critically, it's a critical component, but yet it was very sparingly and mercifully used. And the stuff that did take any more screen time, like uh, concert appearances, were good ones, like Soundgarden. You know, we had Chris Cornell in there as Chris Cornell and Soundgarden, and they're doing their stuff. Eddie Vedder also appears, but thankfully he doesn't sing. He just plays drums for Citizen Dick. Is that not right? <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so uh, we dodged a bullet there, big time. Uh, they're in the soundtrack, but you can't really hear them. And I gotta say, another uh, little trepidation, little little reservation I had about this film was I thought it was going to be about a bunch of, you know, repugnant slacker losers and uh, who think the world owes them a living kind of like rent you know but uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no oh shit no oh, but it wasn't i found the characters very very enchanting I, the cast was great but i swear i cannot look at bridget fonda without think recalling an episode of beavis and butthead where they were watching a bon jovi video and he had short hair and they were like is that Bridget Fonda? I thought that was so funny. <laughs> but the, the cast was wonderful because the characters were great. All right, yeah, there were some, some kind of douchey types, but, you know, they they grow to the extent that the film will let them. You know, and, and I really, truly enjoyed it, and I recommend it. If you're one of those people who's probably over 60 who has not seen this picture, then uh, you really probably would enjoy it. You know, I like a good rom-com as much as the next chick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, but there were some great lines in this one, too. There's just a couple that I made note of when I was watching it, uh, which I can really relate to this one. Being alone. There's a certain dignity in it. I'm like, yeah, that's fucking cool. I like that. Uh, uh, <clears throat> and uh, I love this. A great proposition comes, and the lady says, don't make me remember this chili dog forever. Uh <laughs> says take a bite if the answer is yes oh just wonderful stuff and uh, another great one i was just uh nowhere near your neighborhood yeah <laughs> <laughs> good line because you're expecting the usual i was just in the neighborhood no i was nowhere near it i came over here to see you i like that that is really romantic so yeah i enjoyed this picture very much the soundtrack will not drive you mad uh so you're really gonna uh, enjoy everything about this i think so thank you for putting me onto a good picture i hope i don't regret letting you uh, talk me into watching the big Lebowski, but um, we'll see when that comes. But you anyway, will not yeah, regret this was... it. You will not regret it. <laughs> it's Coen brothers and they suck. They, they suck. do they not suck. suck. You just, oh, you have to be you. of a certain disposition and in a certain place to appreciate the Coen brothers movies. But the dude abides man. And the dude is universal. The dude might abide, but nothing else from Cohen's abide. Here's what here's the Cohen thing. The Cohen formula has, so far, I've seen three other films, has been to me. Wow, that first hour was pretty good, except for Fargo, which is 
maybe the first 20 minutes was pretty good. The first hour was good. Oh, wow. And then you simply can't believe how everything they do turns into a big pile of shit. So uh, I will see what happens with the big Lebowski, but I will give the dude a chance. You know, I think he's got that coming. He's a legend. And if not, then just have a white Russian and just let it all go. So that takes us to song number six. And actually, this is someone you know, David. Actually, this is someone who, uh, like Pensacola, is appearing for the second time on the show. And I, this is, I suppose I'm opening the door to, for Christina to bust my chops about payola and everything. I was going to say, uh, um, I'm sorry, uh, pot calling I, kettle fucking black now. I'm sorry. I, and I, I believe I, this is repeated, too. Not only, not only is there fucking payola happening here, but then there's like 72 of your friends on this fucking countdown. So whatever I want to hear nothing else from you <laughs> well acoustic freebird is a tall order because we wanted to have it so it wasn't all weepy and sleepy we wanted to punch it up a little bit at points and everything and uh, we brought in some good rockers for that and uh beautiful stuff though but uh, yeah, the balance was important so i thought i had to lend a little bit of a personal touch mm-hmm. i'm receiving nothing from ulysses as, a, as i said the first time because he wrote our anthem night is the only time i like wonderful wonderful soon with a uh, guest female vocalist who is Ulysses? Ulysses hails from Thessalonica, Greece, and first appeared on Fusion Music Radio on Audrey's mixtape show, European Special. Singer, songwriter, freestyle, experimental. Uh, I love his motto, freestyle, but not free of style. I gotta hand it to him for that. That's beautiful. And uh, rap, rock, film music, you name it. He does it all. And you can follow him at Instagram and Ulysses. Reverb Nation, SoundCloud. Definitely get plugged into him on Facebook. Uh, This one, it starts off just like a beautiful acoustic piano piece, but it evolves into this incredible movie score soundscape that is just going to captivate you. I loved it. This is a fantastic piece called Sunday.
which brings us to song number five. Oh yes, this one is one I went out as soon as you said, as soon as the words were hanging in the air from your lips, Free Bird Acoustic, this was the band that came, there were two acts that came to mind and they're both on the show tonight. This is the first one, no question about it. We need to keep, we need to kick things up a notch. And this one sounds like the unplugged version of what was originally recorded as a full on electric rock and roll band tune, but it's not, it was written this way. Elm Treason is a rock and roll partnership of Andy Roman and Bobby Steele, two native sons of the great city of New York. What's up? Uh, Decades of musical experience between them, and their music is almost entirely acoustic. But that does not stop them from blowing the roof off, as you will hear with this song from Elm Treason, Just Like Rock and Roll. Making this song rock and roll See it ain't easy 
Ah, I know that one made you feel good. Elm Treason, just like rock and roll. You can find them at elmtreason.com. How about that? That one wasn't taken. And here are some of their feel-good groove rock as they describe it. And never forget their motto, do not underestimate the power of an acoustic guitar. All right, and that takes us to feature four, History Strikes Back. And as you might recall for this feature, we travel back in time to a particular year to review bands, music charts, television, pop culture, according to the year selected by the random number generator. And this time, it fell upon 1981, which, I mean, I was there, of course. I was 20, but um, I just said goodbye to my teens. I stopped being a stupid teen and became a stupid 20-year-old. And it was a much more interesting year than I would have thought. I'm like, wow, hey, 1981 kicked ass, now that I think about it. I hadn't thought about it in a while, because it seemed like, you know, forever ago. And I thought, wow, the good stuff ended in the 70s. No way. Shows that premiered on television in 1981. Dynasty, what's up? Dynasty, which is now, uh, there's a remake of that app now. Um, yeah, and uh, Dynasty actor uh, and other shows as well. One of the great character actors of all time, Brian Denny. He just died. If you don't know his name, oh good lord, you know his face. You know, oh that's that guy that's in like every. It's like Jack Warden and him are between them in every movie in history. I swear. To God. <laughs> <laughs> and we got Stephen Bochco started out Hill Street Blues that year. There weren't a lot of notable television shows that premiered in that year, but there is one network that changed everything in 1981. MTV. Now, MTV Woo. has become irrelevant as far as I'm concerned, but you should have been there back then. The songs, the artists, true musical legends would appear on television all the time, exhorting you to call up your cable company and say the magic phrase, I, I want, want my, my MTV. MTV. And not only did we have Sting saying, who of the police at the time, as we will see, uh, saying, I want my MTV, he would also sing that mantra in a classic hit, Dire Straits, Money for Nothing. I want my MTV. It was the time, and you had awesome music videos by, well, instead of naming the names, why don't we read the charts in a minute and even sing the songs a little bit and see how quickly Christina can jump on and off, <laughs> because she probably knows that era. I'm, like, stuck in the, the Stone Age, the 60s and the 70s, so she's probably more familiar with that era of music than I am. But... First, in the movie theaters, which are presently all closed, but in 1981 they weren't. The top box office draws were Raiders of the Lost Ark, Ooh. On Golden Pond, Superman 2, Arthur, hey, Stripes, I'm telling you. Bill uh, Murray. Mm. Yeah, Stripes, right? Bill Murray, Harold, Harold Ramis, Ramis yep. John Candy, Ugh. and lesser known, somebody I like, PJ Souls mm. from Rock and Roll High School was in it. Yeah, PJ Souls. And of course, the film that brought us. The unforgettable line, lighten up, Francis. I mean, who can <laughs> forget that? There, You can get a gif, gif, whatever the hell it is of that any day of the week because it's just one of those unforgettable scenes. All right. Uh, the Cannonball Run, Chariots of Fire, and the James Bond film, For Your Eyes Only, and Time Bandits, which I've never seen. I know, I know. Go ahead and say it. Ah, but what about the music? Well, we're going to talk about the music. Shakers at the ready? Okay. We had Kim Carnes. She's got Betty, Betty Davis eyes. Yeah, I love that song. Uh-oh, sad note here because the man just passed away. Lady Kenny Rogers. Oh. Lady, I'm your knight in shining armor. And I you. Okay. John Lennon was kicking off his, revitalizing his solo career with Just Like Starting Over. We had... Rick Springfield. I wish that I had Jesse's girl. <laughs> we had uh, Celebration, Cool in the Gang. Celebrate good times. Come on. It's a celebration. That's right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
classic Daryl Hall and John Oates because your kiss your kiss is on my lips because your kiss your kiss oh here's another remember this one Eddie Rabbit, I love the rain. Night, night. Such beautiful sun. I like to feel the rain on my something. Taste the rain on my lips. Something. Yeah, in the moonlight, something. Okay, you know I don't remember how that goes. Me feel good. Feel good. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> All right, Oscar winner for Dolly Parton. Working nine to five. What a way what to make a, a living. living. All right. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Uh, speaking of 9 to 5, Sheena Easton also had one called Morning Train 9 to 5. Uh, the great Smokey Robinson back, Being With You. Ah, Juice Newton, playing with the queen the of hearts. hearts. On the slightly more rockin' side, we had Ozzy Osbourne, Flying High Again, Pat Benatar, Flyer and Ice, mm. and ACDC, for those about to rock. We salute you. I notice you don't sing that because you're not an ACDC person. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I mean, they're, they're great for 20 minutes, and then it's like, you know, shoot me. Okay. <laughs> Gina Easton. For your eyes only. Yeah, there you go. Only you made me sing the chick song by myself. Come on now. Hey, I was uh, gonna sing with you, but oh. you were you were <clears throat> you were building up to it. I didn't want to interfere. Duran Duran Girls on Film. Oh my goodness! Hit me with your best shot. It was an amazing year for music. There was oh, stop dragging my heart around. Ooh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-oh. And uh, don't stop believing. Come on now, recognize, recognize. <laughs> don't stop believing. Hold on to Hold that, on feeling. To that feeling. Yep. <laughs> All right. Everybody's like, "Whoa, Sopranos, man!" I didn't see that, but I heard. <laughs> Queen, another one bites the dust. Ooh. Oh man, uh, Hey 19, uh, Steely Dan. Uh oh, don't stand so, don't stand so, so don't stand, stand so, so close to me. Oh, and who could forget Devo, Whip It? Yes, 1981 was an incredible year for music videos and music in general and movies. And it was some time before the real descent began. So uh, yeah, 1981 was a great year for music for movies. For videos, the birth of MTV, uh, which would not die for some years uh, after that. And a lot of good memories, a lot of uh, big smiles on my face from recalling these uh, lists. And when you've been around as long as I have, you gotta look, you got to look shit up. <laughs> like, uh, I don't remember what 1981 was until I see it on paper. And, of course, then I'm taking Wikipedia's word for it. So, anyway, but uh, if that was really 1981 and not just some troll who put that there, then it was a great year for music. So that was history, Strikes Back. That takes us to song number four, and that is artist Brittany Fance. And the song is Lullaby. She is from Los Angeles, California, actually recently moved to really work on breaking into the music scene. And her genre is described as electro soul, indie and alternative. And you can find her at BrittanyFans.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-P-F-A-N-T-Z. Now, the tone and the fill of this song spoke to me immediately. It begins with beautiful harmonies that are angelic and longing. This is a mid-tempo wonder from a very promising and fresh talent. Her vocals are as powerful and assertive as they are soft, soothing, and moving. Enjoy Lullaby. Oh 
That takes us to the feature that we do each and every show, Hell Yes or Oh Hell No. For this feature, we consider bands and determine if we are advocates, Hell Yes, or detractors, Oh Hell No. We also ask for your opinions on the band or artist and share the results. This time the band was you too, and we were asking you, are you boy to rattle and hum? Are you octung baby? To songs of innocence, are you both or none? And the results are in, and the winner is that most people said hell yes to the entire U2 catalog, followed by early U2, then late U2, and we had one hell no. So it looks like everyone else, and I outed myself on the last show, and I yeah, said... You, 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 I, you outed yourself because... No, you caught yourself, and then we re-recorded it. It's just my uh, half-assed editing. It was 5 o'clock in the morning, folks. I was rushing to get the show out, and I just missed that part, so that was that was my bad. Sorry. <laughs> Well, well, it's it's funny because when you're really passionate about a band, which you know you and I are both very passionate about many many bands, I just can't help but say, "Oh, I love this band." So I said it, and I thought, "Oh God, I'm not supposed to say that." So we redid it. But I am a huge U2 fan. They are certainly my favorite band for many many reasons. I am a fan of their entire catalog. You know, one of the things that I really love about U2 is they're always anthemic. I have this thing where I really I like either to be completely and totally depressed or I like to be just uplifted higher than I can imagine. And U2 does the anthemic part for me. They're very anthemic and they're uplifting, usually with some lesson about overcoming or working through or coming out the other side. For example, if you think about War, Boy, and October, they're more punk. They're more raw. They're experimental. They're darker. They're brooding. They're very introspective. And then you get to Joshua Tree, which is, you know, I'm just going to say, it's just 
it is the shit to me. That is an album that I could listen to any day, you know, first song to last song, and it just takes me somewhere else and reminds me of, of so many things, not only times, you know, when I was younger, but then obviously experiences, and it was all very moving to me. And they're more refined, they're less punk, there are more ballads, they're more pop. That that's where they kind of introduce that rootsy feeling that really, really comes to fruition when they have Rattle and Hum. Obviously, Rattle and Hum is definitely rootsy and blues and pop and rock, and it's a little bit lighter. Then when we go on to the other side, it's Octung Baby, and it's harder rock, and it's experimental, and it's ironic, and it's highly political. Now, they've always been highly political, but it's even more political. They even made fun of themselves in Zuropa, in pop. Then we go to All That You Can't Leave Behind, which is kind of a nod, it feels like, to old U2. So it felt really comfortable to put that on again. I thought, oh, I can wear this coat all the time. This is the U2 I knew and loved, but still have that, they still have that edge. And how to dismantle an atomic bomb? Oh, I mean, it's just it just continues to get better. Then we have songs of innocence and songs of experience, which we are currently experiencing as U2 fans. And of course, you know, one of the things that I, that everyone thinks of when they think of this band is they think of you know Bono, right? And how how political he is, and how he's you know involved in in the One Movement, right? So. They think about that and they think that he's very outspoken and, you know, he, he tries to do good for the world, you know, but some people he rubs the wrong way and I totally get that. Um, he doesn't rub me the wrong way. I think he's incredible and I think he's trying to use his fame for something good. Um, and he has done a lot of good. And then you also think of The Edge, right? So The Edge um, as, you know, this iconic guitarist who has these these particular sounds right that are that are very much you know quote unquote you too now i know david you have a different take on that but i'm just speaking universally about the things that most of us talk about and say oh wow that is really a defining you too sound is that guitar or is bono's vocal or is that anthemic piece so clearly i am a complete and total you too geek and fan from way back I, I don't love every single thing they've done, but I like parts of every single thing they've done. Um, not all songs get me, but I will tell you, I was probably the hardest person to turn from old U2 to new U2. When I when I heard Octung Baby, I had a hard time with it because I expected my old U2. Um, not that I don't, I'm not into evolution of bands, but I just didn't expect that. And then once I started to listen, I thought, oh my God, this is so fucking good. And it just continued to grow on me. And the songs are are just, they're timeless to me. And they're amazing. Even if some of them are making fun of themselves, which I think is important to be able to do. But I'm done talking about my beloved U2. David, tell me what your thoughts are on U2. Well, first of all, something you said about, uh, about Bono. I never understood that objection uh, people have to celebrities talking about what they believe. I mean, they have the right, just like anybody else, the fact that they're public visibility gives them a greater platform well i mean who wouldn't use that i mean i I don't understand the objection to that and you know a lot of uh, celebrities who do a lot of talking are saying things i don't agree with but i perfectly understand why they're doing it i mean what should they be quieter just because they're famous so i'm totally uh i support his right to do that and i don't resent that at all i gotta you gotta hand it to bono for his stage name bono originally was bono vox which means good voice (laughs) very humble (laughs) i have a good voice listen to me actually he sort of ushered in the 
sort of the whiny braying uh, vocal style, which is fine if you're singing great tunes with good melodies like U2 does. I have no problem with that. The problem is people are out there braying like jackasses today with no real melodies, and that's really kind of irritating where it's like, oh, 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 and it's like, oh, stop it already. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) You know, if you were to, to every song has that feature, it's like the equivalent of musical breadcrumbs trying to make them... (laughs) Trying to make the meat go farther. Let's just oh, 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 oh. And if you stood up in front of a crowd of uh, kid music aficionados and said, hey, what's this tune? Oh, 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 you'd get 15 different answers and they'd all be right. You know, that's the incredible thing about it. But True. The, Edge, <laughs> the Edge has taken criticism for being uh, basically a trickster and a sound technician more than a guitar player, which is nonsense. But even whatever it is he does, he does it for you too. You can't look at one drummer and say, well, he's not good enough for this other band. Okay, he would not. The Edge, I dare say, would be out of his depth if he were dropped in yes to replace Steve Howe, okay? But he's not in yes, he's in U2, and he does a very fine job with that. My my familiarity with them, uh, I had a friend who was really, really into the early U2, 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 Oh, no. Yuhu was actually a chocolate beverage. It was like mostly water. I don't know if you remember Yuhu. I Yuhu. do remember Yuhu. Yuhu. I, used to, I used to love Yuhu, man. I would just dog that shit. Um, but U2, I, the early U2, the boy war, October, that kind of thing, um, is very spare, very raw, very rocking. Uh, but I, and it was good. It's really good. You know, but when they went to, uh, what, the Edge basically learned more tricks and they started writing different kinds of songs and the song got fatter and it sounded more synthesized and it sounded more, you know, electronic, even if it was guitars. I loved that. I thought some of the later hits of theirs were just brilliant. And, uh, oh, by the way, I have Songs of Innocence on my iTunes and I didn't realize it. It Was that a big controversy or something like that? Because I'm one of those people that had it dropped on them and, and was completely unaware of it until recently. Well, it was, a, it was a big, big deal a few years ago when they, I think, uploaded it to all Apple products. And people were like, why do I have this fucking U2 album? I fucking hate U2. Okay, well, then just delete it or don't listen delete to it. it. Yeah. I don't understand yeah. Why you're going to cry about it. It's free music. I don't give a shit what you give me free. If I don't like it, I'll delete it. But man, it caused a huge stir. You'd have thought people would have been like, oh, that's cool, free music. No, it was awful. Yeah, I mean, it's not an operating system. It's a damn record. Just delete the thing, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to say, I do. And I, so I like their stuff, old and new. They have some really, really clever. And hey, notably, they have a song on a Batman soundtrack, which gets major props from me. Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me from Batman Forever. Greatest closing a credits theme I've ever heard in my life. It's just brilliant. Uh, that film also contained a song by Seal, A Kiss from a Rose. But U2 is a good example of to get the most out of a song you write, you really gotta let somebody sing it. Bono and the Edge composed the theme from Pierce Brosnan's first James Bond movie, Golden Eye. And thankfully, Bono did not sing it. It was voiced by Tina Turner, and it absolutely, it was just a smash. I love that song, Golden Eye by Tina Turner, written by Bono and the Edge. A lot of people might not know that. Tina Turner also did a great turn with the Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, uh, We Don't Need Another Hero. Oh, man, legend. I, I'm a big man, Mad Max fan. But anyway, good for you, too. They got a Bond and a Batman theme. How freaking cool can anything be? So um, I, I like them, and I, I like them more all the time. I really got to get more into their catalog. But I like that they started to have fun and the whole thing with the fly and the zoo TV and the big, elaborate, ridiculous stage shows and alter egos. I think that's good. I, I like the fact that they do the weird stuff like that. I mean, it's fun. It's theater. It's, it's a party. Just you know, put on a show, have a good time. 
Uh, he's a very Bono's a very serious person, but he but he does know how to have fun too, and he understands rock and roll. So I got to hand it to him for that. So yeah, I'm all about you too. Which era do I prefer? Probably the later one, actually. Probably Octung Baby on. I would have to say. You know, and what's interesting is Bruce does too. He prefers the later U2, just as an, a side note. So you are like-minded on that. Yeah, and we're like-minded about something else that we'll probably talk about later too. Probably, probably. Before we do song number three, I want to say that a couple shows back, you uh, invited our beloved listeners to provide feedback, uh, whether they agreed with something we said or whether they didn't. We actually said, hey, if you have a dissenting opinion, let us know. We can take it. We're bigger men and women, and we can, uh, we'll take the high road and everything. I just wanted you to know that I responded. I fielded those, and I responded to those with uh, an audio message from you. Uh, so I just want to – I'm sorry I didn't ask you first, but just what do you think about this? This was only for the ones that had dissenting opinions. I sent them back this message. Do you think it was okay? I mean, it's, it's already water under the bridge, but hopefully you'll approve. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I don't think we rose above on this occasion, but I think we did do what it is in our nature to do, and that is just to say, well, fuck you. So... <laughs> unexpected though i think probably very effective not sure we'll get any more feedback though well the (laughs) listeners you see the listeners don't realize that by listening to the show they enter into the mutual fuck with accord uh (laughs) as well so you know they invite that once they start listening to the show and if they dare to reach out and actually make contact with us well you know uh, that's 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 on them they should be thankful i mean it's more for you they can always delete it just like they did you too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or at least they could have without bitching and crying and whining about it. Yeah, stop sniveling, you pussies. Okay, so <laughs> as, as a wrap-up, je- everybody was pretty much in favor of you too. That's correct. Of their entire catalog, that's the majority of the votes went to hell yes for their entire catalog. Except for that one, there's always that guy there's like There's always me. that one. <laughs> he knows, now he knows how I feel. You know? uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't call right. him out by name, but there is that one, and you know who you are. That brings us to song number... That brings us to Cancion Numero Tres, song number three. That's for the California people out there. And this is an artist from Arizona, so they probably uh, call it Cancion uh, Numero Tres as well. The lady's name is Gabriela Giboni. And interestingly, neither her Reverb Nation page nor her Facebook page give us any information about her, so thanks for making that so easy. (laughs) (laughs) All you really know about her is it's contemporary pop. And you can find her on uh, Reverb Nation at Gabriella Giboni Music, but that's all you're going to get. But you can hear the songs there, and they're lovely. Good piano ballads. What I've heard, you're going to love this one, which is called All In. Poker face burning thin 
ashes to ashes Hell, here I go falling again Feature 6, a new feature called Owl Do It Better Than Emu. For this feature, we discuss cover songs that either rival or are better than the original. So, I picked a doozy this week. I picked Tears for Fears and the song Mad World. So, it was released in 1983, and the, the singer that covered it is Gary Jules, and it was actually in a movie called Donnie Darko. It was over the closing credits. And I think... For me, it's better. And why is it better? Well, actually, the lyrics are so very sad and desperate and heartbreaking that for me, this version, the slowed down, uh, stark version of this song, it actually captures the mood better, the ambiance, the sorrow. Um, I love the delivery of it. It's, it's again, just gut-wrenching. Uh, makes the melody and the words stand out, and it absolutely destroys me. It tears my heart out to listen to this song. I don't listen to it that often because it really moves me, and not in a bad way, in a good way. It's just I know it's a human condition. I know people feel this way. And when I looked it up and saw what the song was about, I understood the lyrics even better, and it moved me even more. Uh, But before I go on to tell you what Kurt Smith of Tears for Fears says about the song, David, which version do you like better and why? Well, interestingly, I had not heard either one of these songs, but you played me the Gary Jules version first. And I was thinking, all right, well, you know, I mean, I love to be destroyed and have my heart ripped out as much as the next guy. But uh, (laughs) no, I don't really. (laughs) But you played me this version. I was like. Uh, if there were a graph of my will to live, it would be like the stock market after Black Friday. I mean, that kind of thing. <laughs> we're talking I get the it. big crash. I, I the big get crash. it. It's pretty and then, and then you played me the Tears for Fears version. I thought, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The lyric is, yes, it's a very sad lyric, but it doesn't have to be packaged in such a way that just uh, destroys and rips your heart out. I mean, if, unless that's what you're looking for, unless that's your kind of thing. Um, I like the Tears for Fears version a little bit better. It does happen that covers can be better than the originals uh, many times, but this, to me, is not one of them. But I am glad you introduced me to the song, at least. Oh, oh and 
Oh, and Donnie Darko. I forgot about that little detail there. You loaned me Donnie Darko, and I haven't seen it because I'm always working on fucking shows. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Holy shit. Always right. getting shit about the so, fucking show. Yeah, I haven't seen it. But any film that has this song, this Gary Jules version of the song over the closing credits, holy shit. <laughs> I'm expecting a real downer, but you know what? I will definitely go at it with an open mind. So. Well, I'm just going to say, we are certainly known as Ascent for having songs that are really sad, but are very upbeat. So I don't have any aversion to that. But when I'm looking at these lyrics, you know, when it says, you know, and I find it kind of funny and I find it kind of sad, the dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. That doesn't call for an upbeat techno 1980s throwback shit well i guess it wasn't throwback then but it just doesn't call for that it calls for even if it was mid-tempo i'd be cool with that but it doesn't have to be super slow but for me it just doesn't do the song justice and i think you know even tears for fears were they here today talking to us on this show and they're welcome to i think they might even say you know what we probably missed the mark on this one because it didn't get the intensity we wanted but it was 1983 so we really had to kind of play it up and make it a pop tune but now looking back on it Gary got it right. That's what I think. But I think Kurt Smith would be saying, "What the hell did you do to my song?" <laughs> well, no, I'm going to look no, it the fuck uh, up. There is, there's merit to both. There's no question about it. Uh, there's merit to both. Well, Kurt Smith of Tears in, in for- varying degrees. In varying degrees. Hmm. Well, I'm going to have to lovingly, completely fucking disagree with you, but. Kurt Smith of Tears for Fear says this song is about a depressed young person who feels out of place in the world. He sees life as being empty and looks for ways to escape the pain. Yes, I do think that calls for all kinds of upbeat 80s uh, accoutrement. <laughs> Evidently, Gary Jules heard the song and said, you know what? We need more depressed young people feeling out of place in the world. I'm going to sing it this way. <laughs> <laughs> he was honoring the lyrics. He was creating them. Yeah. He, he was, was actually... <laughs> He, he was honoring the fucking lyrics. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, exactly. Like I said, by turning every per- every kid who hears the song into the, the, the subject of the song, into that person. So, yeah, like I said, making more depressed young people. Okay, all right, all right, I get it, I get it. I understand, some people are into that kind of shit, so... Well, I'm into honoring lyrics, and I'm into doing what the songwriters want to do. I think if it wasn't 1983, it would look very different. But it was, and that's okay. So we have two versions, a version that you like that I don't get, and a version that I like that you would rather never (laughs) hear again. So that's fine. That's great. Something for everyone. All right. Song number two, a band, uh, and uh, I apologize that this is going to be one of those boring how I discovered them stories (laughs) that you've come to dread in that existential way but <laughs> i did discover this artist out in venturing out into the live music scene i went to see the whiskey to the whiskey at gogo in hollywood to see my buddy saint iha who let me come up on the stage and introduce the band even though the mic was off for like three quarters of the time i was talking <laughs> the mic came on right as i was about to finish but i did introduce the band and got to sing backup on the song wild animals so that was uh, that was fun i was standing next between the saxophone player and the drummer it's pretty cool never been on that stage before probably never will again so uh <laughs> but that night standing to the stage 
A gentleman asked this young lady, are you in a band? And my little ears pricked up and I thought, yeah, are you? So uh, it turns out she was going to be performing. So I stuck around to see Savea Leone. We, uh, we chatted uh, a bit and then I didn't talk to her afterwards. But it was one of those last minute callback things that the whiskey does. Uh, they get in touch with somebody who's been on. They got an opening. They get in touch with somebody who's been there recently and say, hey, you want to go on? And in this case, she could not get her band together. So she had to appear solo. And she was just just wonderful. Just her and a keyboard. Uh, terrific uh, poise and confidence and, and boldness. And I was so impressed. With, like, wow. Here's this young lady who's only 19 at the time from New Mexico playing all over, the, all over Hollywood. She recorded a live album there at a place called uh, The Mint. Uh, very, very good. So just solo, her, piano, that's it. It's no doubt unfortunate that the brilliant trajectory of her career is marred by the fact that I was her first interview. Poor kid. Uh, hey, however, a recent alumnus of the show, that would be Ailish, is going to be on Butterflies and Hurricanes uh, the following week. Uh, Lewis got an interview with them in the can, and they were on the show uh, recently. So, you little headhunter, way to go. Another good act for the show, for FMR, and we thank you for that, man. So anyway, Savea Leone, um, playing all over Los Angeles with various hired musicians uh leading the bands putting on shows putting on shows solo no fear complete confidence uh, very inspiring and her music is terrific and she is attending the prestigious berkeley college of music who and this is great in 2014 gave an honorary doctorate to wait for it jimmy page who was their commencement speaker that year there's a video of him giving the commencement address at berkeley college of music where savea leon goes and things are going even better for her she just in the last day or two signed to Hitmakers Music Group for her upcoming single and it's going to be distributed through Warner Records so it's a real real victory for Savannah and we're very happy for her. we're going to hear this uh, beautiful song kind of an interesting twist here usually she's accompanying herself on some sort of keyboard but here she's playing guitar uh, she's leaning towards uh, guitar composing so this is really the first thing that comes to mind that she's actually released so brand new from Savannah Leone this is called Wing I didn't say where to find it <laughs> And you can find Savea Leone uh, all over the place, uh, Instagram. You know the kids love that Instagram. Probably TikTok, although I ain't about to go there and find out. And uh, <laughs> these, these kid things, these kid fads. You know. Hey, I'm on uh, TikTok. I'm going to stick with... Uh, oh, really? Oh, so <laughs> okay. Well, you know, once you're 50, you'll probably, you'll probably abandon. You know. uh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm just so many years away from that, though, so it doesn't even really factor in. Yeah, yeah, it'll be gone by then. Anyway, I'm sure. <laughs> but no, these, these things never go away. But uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook and all kinds of, you can get her music any, just about anywhere. Her website, surveilleleone.com. There's her new single, Wing. I was so scared. Nothing was ever gonna change. I'd live and I'd die and I'd never even try. Oh, I'd never even try. So I'm getting on that plane because I'm more scared of staying there. Oh, I getting on that plane. One day I'll explain why I moved away. Mm -hmm. 
So now we have arrived at the moment you've all been waiting for. We are at song number one. And song number one is by a female artist that goes by Yazzie. The song is Butterflies. She's from Exeter, UK. So again, we are international. What? Um, Her genre is singer-songwriter, acoustic singer. 
She brings her fiery passion and sensitive vulnerability to her performances and recordings. Her songs are weaved in intricate and engaging storytelling. The founder of Glastonbury Festival um, discovered her. So that's pretty cool. And she plays Glastonbury as a result every year. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about this song. Her vocals, now that was what they said about her. This is what I say. Her vocals are husky and smoky, yet they communicate a certain innocence. This song talks about the fluttery feeling you get when you're starting to fall or are in love. The song feels like a lullaby to the love-stricken. You feel intoxicated and are floating until you hear her say, it's so sweet but so bitter at the same time. That provides the perfect amount of tension that has you wondering if this love song has a bitter end. This is Yazzie with Butterflies. Your smile You caught me with your smile And I'm You make me come 
sweet, but so bitter at the same time. Ooh, but of lies. How many hours have I spent just thinking about you? Hypnotizing me by all the things you do. Whoa. So that was Yazzie with Butterflies, and you can find her at yazziemusicofficial.com. That's Y-A-Z-Z-Y musicofficial.com. And, I mean, come on. Husky, smoky, innocent. She's absolutely taking every box here. So <laughs> <laughs> She is. <laughs> this is the one, okay. <laughs> so now it is that special time where we tell you what the new theme is for the upcoming week. Now, again, sticking with the same theme, we're sticking with Freebird. But this time, <laughs> it's fucking metal. It's on. Bring on Woo-hoo. the metal. Yeah. Yeah, metal. Now, I am. I'm certainly not... A metal head. Uh, I don't understand that whole uh, thing. I mean, well, that's like all you're into is metal. But I do like some heavy stuff. And when someone says metal, I picture this T-shirt that was circulating in the 80s, 90s or whatever. Metallica T-shirt of a toilet with a fist with a knife sticking up out of it. With the delightful <laughs> catchphrase, metal up your ass. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> you never saw that? You know, I never metal saw that. Metal oh, up yeah. my ass. Well, that's oh, a new, that gives me a new visual. Yeah, a Metallica t-shirt, which of course the, the band probably had nothing whatsoever to do with, you know. No. And uh, with uh, a hand, knife, metal up your ass. And I thought, this must be how metalheads greet each other. Hey, man, metal up your ass. Yeah, yours too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but an interesting thought, nonetheless. And hey, hey props, props out to you. Shout out to you. I got to say, uh, for your recent uh, second uh, that I can know, that I know of, a quarantine live stream that Ascent did, this one, a third, right? You did an acoustic and then an electric and then a recent acoustic, which was really phenomenal. You did deep Ascent cuts and covers. And talk about an ace in the hole. Talk about a secret weapon. You brought in Penelope. So, folks, <laughs> if you watch this video of the Ascent live stream, it's still out there, right? Oh, yeah. You will see Penelope. You will see a 
snout that will haunt your dreams. A freckled snout of this beautiful, most beautiful dog ever. And the ears that you will long to pet. You will long to that. And the eyes, those incredible dark eyes of hers. The most beautiful pooch in existence is trundled out during this Ascent live stream. So you just got to watch it because I don't remember when it was. But you will see the glorious Penelope, a.k.a. Penny. And she is just a beauty. What were we talking about? Metal, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, in that video. (laughs) Metal, that's what it was. You were the reason I even brought up that video at all is because you were wearing a Metallica t-shirt in that video. Fuck yeah. And I thought that was cool as fuck. And the hat of some Tommy Stinson, Vincent, Winston, Wilson, it's some guy I never heard Steven of. Steven Wilson, Wilson, yes, from Porcupine I, Tree. But wearing the Metallica shirt, which I thought was really badass and... Um, and a flannel. Oh. <clears throat> like, I was oh. all over the place. <laughs> I mean, this is... This is you are the 90s. You really are. You got the grunge flannel. You got the Metallica shirt. But one thing you need to do, though, since you brought out this dog, this beautiful dog, and now everybody sees and becomes totally smitten with this dog, is, and you're doing an acoustic set, I couldn't help but think a good thing for you to have done in Penelope's honor is do the song from Led Zeppelin 3, Branya R. Stomp, which I was talking about the Led Zeppelin concert. That was they did that during the acoustic set, but you can see that online. They did it in '75 at Earl's Court, so you can see the acoustic set and hear that song done live. And the reason it is such a special song, it is about the love of a dog. Yes, Branya R. Stomp is about the love of a dog, and it's just beautiful. So where's your dog love song, huh? You know what it's called? Fucking feeding her, cleaning up her shit, that kind of stuff. That's called love. <laughs> Hum it, hum it, come on. (laughs) I actually should write a song. I actually have one song about a dog, but it was about us losing our dog, which is a very sad, sad song. Um, Quite a happy... No, I... But you were talking about how Ascent... Uh, The lyrics are dark, but the music is not. That's exactly my point. I love that. So, uh, but it wouldn't kill you to write a a light song once in your life. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. But, you know, actually, when you're talking about that acoustic set, we played a lot of our tearjerkers. They were a lot of some really brutal ballads. We don't do a lot of ballads anymore because we kind of switched to upbeat. Not that we won't, but there's a lot of upbeat stuff. But you got to hear all of our tearjerkers, our triple hankies and uh, childhood uh, kind of therapy sessions and everything was just aired during that particular <laughs> live stream. But we got a lot Yet, of, a lot of people liked it. A lot of people are like, right on. I never heard any of those. Yeah, exactly. Yet another reason that anybody who has not heard that should go back and review that. You got great old tunes, tear jerking tunes. You got Penelope the dog. I mean, uh, what more could you possibly ask? <laughs> well, thank uh, you. But it's, yeah, it's, uh, but when you got these days, even now though, you can jerk a tear when you want to. Uh, the acoustic version of Bleed Like Us, oh. uh, Kestrel Jane Doe. Yeah, you can you can do it. We can do uh, it. And Ascent is not one of those depressing Gary Jules things, or at least for that one tune. Hope to God he doesn't sound like that all the time. No offense. He's not listening or anything. So. He might be. Gary, I'm totally down well, with you. I'm- Don't listen to David. It's cool. Well, I mean, you know, who knows? Kiss, Kiss might tune in also and have their feelings hurt. You know, you never know. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I said nothing bad about Kiss. I just said they weren't my thing, but I said I recognize their genius and their talent. I get it. It's just not my thing. So, Free Bird, Metal Edition, send in your any theme, but style, genre? Eh, not really. We want metal this time, folks, because after all, we've pretty much anesthetized you with this very lovely, but very sleepy and weepy set tonight, apart from a tune or two here. So next time, let's just kick it up and up the horns and bang your head and all that stuff that you kids do and then regret for the rest of their lives. Um, <laughs> that's right. 
That's right. Get a bang over. That's right. Get nerve damage. No, I, I admit, I, I get bang overs and stuff myself. Uh, and uh, so I, I totally get that. Just gotta gotta keep it safe out there. And wear your ear. Wear your ear. Well, of course, gotta keep it safe out there. And wear your earring. <clears throat> Jeez. Gotta keep it safe out there. And wear your hearing protection. Uh, you know how they. Bang. Got to keep it safe out there. Wear your hearing protection when and if you ever get to go out to live music again. You oh, don't need no. to necessarily on this show when listening to this next metal up your ass Freebird show. Uh, <laughs> you won't. <laughs> Fortunately, you won't need earplugs to listen to our next edition Freebird metal up your ass edition. Okay, it's not really called that. That's my embellishment. But um, uh, at, a, at a show, you will. And back in the day, they used to say, if it's too loud. You're too old. No, you're not too old. You're just too smart to want to have tinnitus and be deaf for the rest of your life. So uh, play it safe with the live music. If it's too loud, stuff those ears, bitches. Be smart. So Freebird, Metal Edition, send in send in the tunes. But rock our world this time. None of this uh, chillaxing stuff. As beautiful as it is, we got <clears> to <throat> blow off the cobwebs and uh, rock the house next time. So let's hear your submissions. While we're on the subject of metal, how convenient is this? The band in question for our homework, Parting is Such Sweet Sorrow, Hell Yes or Oh Hell No, is often referred to as the heavy metal band. Interestingly, though, the guitarist of this band eschews the label, describing them as a hard rock band and doesn't even know what heavy metal is. But whatever you call them, everybody loves Black Sabbath, or do they? Are there some mental defectives out there who simply don't get this band? <laughs> oh, my fuck. Oh, my I'm just playing. That's what I'm saying to you here. So you're not crazy if you don't like Black Sabbath. You're just really kind of scary and sad, really. Okay, so, um, well, that's the question for this week. Now, while there is nothing so distinctive and instantly recognizable about a band's sound as the singer... A, great many acts have gone on to maintain their level of or even increase their success with a new person on the mic. For example, Deep Purple, ACDC, what? And Van Halen, who we discussed before, and certainly tonight's band in question, Black Sabbath. What we want to know is where you fall. Are you Ozzy Osbourne era Black Sabbath or are you a Ronnie James Dio devotee? Uh, I won't. So, well, I, you know I love Black Sabbath. I mean, so I'm, I'm I, the cat's out of the bag there. I'm sorry. There's no hiding that. However, you can vote for Ozzy, or you can vote for Dio, or other, because Black Sabbath has released albums with, wait for it, five vocalists. This is not that widely known amongst people who are not hardcore fans. Black Sabbath released one album with Deep Purple frontman and original Jesus Christ superstar, London Cast, and that's the soundtrack recording you've been listening to your whole lives, kids. Recognize Ian Gillen. They also released one album with Deep Purple bassist and vocalist Glenn Hughes. And besides them, Tony Martin, their second most prolific vocalist, who has five albums with the band to his credit. So, Ozzy Osbourne, Ronnie James Dio, or other, pencil in. It's like it's like an election. You can pencil in your candidate, even if they're not on the ballot. Pencil them in. If they released a record with Black Sabbath and you just happen to think uh, Tony Martin is the shit, then uh, say so. We want to know where you fall on the Black Sabbath scale. Or do you simply not like Black Sabbath at all? Some people just don't get it. They're not into them, and uh, the sound just uh, doesn't resonate. That's fine. Um, a relative minority, I'm sure. But hell yes or oh hell no, Black Sabbath at all? Ozzy, Dio, or other? Your choice. Yes, and I will tell you how I feel about Black Sabbath 
next show. We await with bated breath. I'll bet. (laughs) (laughs) So... All right, so that brings us to the wrap-up. I guess we're going to put this puppy to bed once again. All right, next Birds of a Feather show, air date, May 8th, Ocho de Mayo. And where can you listen to Fusion Music Radio shows? FusionMusicRadio.net, Spreaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Deezer, I hear, CastBox. I've never even seen some of these platforms, honestly. And other Fusion Music Radio shows. Surge Master Sessions got a new one. Uh, Tilly Riddle got a new one. Uh, about the quarantine, uh, some interesting insights, things I'd forgotten about, uh, like uh, Typhoid Mary and everything. Uh, special quarantine edition of the Tilly Riddle Show in details. Hill Ranch Show archives, Butterflies and Hurricanes, Shock and Awe, and, well, if you get really, really desperate, Soup Kitchen, Audrey's Mixtape Show, that kind of stuff. Okay, and that only leaves for you to say, please don't forget the inhale, the breath. Uh, come on, no time like the pheasant, come on. Let's get the flock out of here. This has been Birds of a Feather on Fusion Music Radio.